You give Teller from Jerusalem 20 minutes, and he'll give you the education of a lifetime. King of the storytellers and the Shakespeare of the Torah world, here is Rabbi Hanok Teller. Hello out there in podcast land. Welcome to Teller from Jerusalem, and I'm your host, Hanok Teller. Today we're very privileged to have a special guest, my super favorite, and this is Dr. David Pelkovitz, who is a very, very well-known psychologist. He is the Strauss Chair of Psychology and Education at Shiva University. He's an author, a lecturer, a very beloved lecturer. I cannot hear enough of him, and I find consistently, dynamically, and perpetually, I hear a talk, I walk in one way, I walk out a different way. I just wish I could maintain it, which should be a subject for our, our talk today, because I'd like to know psychology's view on how we can maintain core values and how increased our character and uh, less focus upon ourselves and more concern for others. Great. Okay. So in terms of the core ingredients, as I understand it, of, um, of uh, being able to instill values in our children, the core, the core ingredients of, uh, of, uh, of value, value, values um, uh, in terms of value education, three core ingredients I wanted to talk about. One is the concept of time. In a number of studies, they find that the more time that parents spend with children, the more likely those children are going to be in terms to, to, to internalize the values. That's the core. Um, so that in and just a function of time. A function of time. But it's actually the quality of the time. Okay. So, for example, uh, if you look at some of the studies done in Colombia by Dr. Califano, they find that um, um, if parents have dinner with their children um, one night a week, there's going to be a lower level of substance abuse in that child than if the parents never have dinner with their children. Twice a week, even less uh, risk. And if it goes up to the point that you have dinner with your children every night of the week, it's going to truly um, bring the risk for substance abuse down um, exponentially. And it's not the dinner. It's the quality, <laughs> the quality of what's right. happening. So uh, it's, uh, to me, that's, that's incredibly important. There's a um, uh, beautiful imagery um, that... Um, is um, talked about in Psalms, where it says that parenting a child is a little bit um, similar to being an archer. And what it says in, um, in, in Psalms is, which means it compares parenting to being an archer. So the, the Kutzker, a well-known Hasidic master, asks, what's the connection between being an archer and raising children? And he answers, just like an archer, the closer you hold the bow to your heart, the further and straighter the arrow goes, so too with our parenting, the closer we hold the bow to our heart, we, the closer we hold our children to our heart, the further and straighter they will go. Then the next ingredient. If I may. I, yeah, uh, sure. I heard this in the name of Rabbi Shamshafal Hirsch, that when you shoot shoot an arrow, uh, if you're off just a smidgen over here, it's it's not perceptible. But a little bit over here, by the time it comes to the destination, you can be off, 
you That's know, beautiful. yards and yards beautiful. and yards. Beautiful. His insights into parenting are unparalleled. Uh-huh. You know, best best um, parenting uh, best parenting uh, manual I've seen anywhere is. Uh, his two-volume um, Chorave, which is uh-huh. uh, un- unbel- unbelievable insights, and it's just as relevant today, even though as when he wrote it in the 1800s. Pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Then the final ingredient, and then we could get into you know any any part of the discussion you want to go to, is it has to do with um, emotion. Like, what do we care about? What do we get emotional about? Okay, if we model for our children, showing them that we care more about them and their feelings and spending time with them than we do about material things, they're much more likely to internalize it. If instead, what we model for our children is a whole other kind of a lesson, which is basically that we care about the new construction on our house or we care about... um, uh, you know, uh, sort vacation of vacation to uh... vacation to some fancy place or whatever, like used to happen in the pre-COVID days. Mm-hmm. If that's what if that's what we show to them, that's what they that's what they uh, imbibe. That's what they that's literally what they internalize. I have a story that I'll um, share with you. Brief story. Um, my um, I went to a camp a summer camp, sleepaway camp when I was a little kid. And there, the only way to be a hero in that camp was to be a, an incredible athlete. And I was the biggest klutz of all time. <laughs> it was like I, I, I would fall asleep in the outfield. I would drop the ball. I was just not You weren't the that. first pick. I was, I was, I was so far <laughs> at, at the end that they'd like offer each other money not to have me on the team. <laughs> And what I found was that um, every year, at the end of the year, they'd give out awards. And the most coveted awards were like, you know, best, best baseball player, best, um, best acrobat, best, uh, best in gymnastics, and all these kind of things. But then they, they also gave what I considered to be the most dreaded award, which was best character, or best derecheretz, right? The best, the best in terms of the uh, best core values. And every year I was there, I I won what I considered to be the, the loser, loser award. award. And I'd come home, and um, my mother and father would say, "Hey, David, did that? What did you get? What kind of award did you get this year?" And I'd say, "Oh, they skipped awards. There were no awards this year." <laughs> and then I, I, what I remember very clearly is my mother and father carefully unpacking my trunk with all my clothing, looking and rummaging through the trunk till they found the award. And it was usually, you know, best, uh, you know, be- best midos, meaning best, uh, character. Be- best character traits. And what I remember and, and really internalized was that they always met that with tears in their eyes, with emotion, and with pride. You can't fake that kind of pride. And they, they said every single year, they said, you know something? We couldn't care less if you're the biggest club. Right, exactly. <laughs> This is what we care. That's what we dream about. And it was the way they always emphasized that, and it always came with tears in their eyes. Wonderful. Yeah. Now, I think you said you're going to say three things. You said two so far. So I said time. Time. And I said um, also... Um, what you value. What you value, and that you're listening. I'm impressed. <laughs> um, and the, 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 I listen to you very well. Yeah, okay. I've heard you tell the story before about camp. 
<laughs> yes, yes. So the 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 third value has to do with um, balance. I think both with ourselves and with our children. So the balance between love and limits. If we raise our children all love and no limits, our children grow up to be overindulged and spoiled. If we go to the other extreme and we raise them with all limits and no love, then... um, Meaning like a disciplinarian. Like a disciplinarian. Rules without relationships equals rebellion. And what both the Talmud tells us a number of times and what psychological research tells us over and over and over again is the best way to get kids to internalize our values and for us to deal with ourselves in terms of our relationships with ourselves and with others and with God is exactly that. It's, it's, the, um, it's, it's to be able to, to find the balance. Now, that may sound trite, but I don't think it's trite at all. It's an art. It's an art, you know, and you have to know, and it's going to be different with every single kid. The Kutzker, who I referred to before, said there's nothing as unequal as the equal treatment of children. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's interesting that uh, every talk I ever attended on parenting, and there weren't many of them, they all emphasize how important it is to love your children, which personally I think is, duh. But no one talks about what to me is the equally obvious that if you teach your children to be polite, courteous, not a nuisance, clean up after themselves, it'll make them more lovable. I would almost go so far as to say, and I'm really stepping into your no, domain. That's okay. But, I, I step into your domain much more <laughs> than you step into mine. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, that uh, if you don't teach parent, children to be polite and courteous, what this podcast is all about, having this character workshop, I would consider that a form of parental abuse. You're basically setting the kid up for no success in life for failure in life because you need to teach them it's such a core value actually there's some very interesting um, research on the 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 incredible importance of teaching kids to do chores like requiring that they do mm-hmm. chores sometimes i'll go to neighborhoods where kids have um, affluenza you know mm-hmm. the work of dr sonia luther at uh, columbia university teacher college where she finds that kids who grew up in very affluent environments who aren't pushed to help others and to, to live a life of, of giving instead of taking, they're at risk compared to a comparison group of poor kids. Um, they're, they're at triple the risk for depression, a much higher risk for anxiety disorder, <clears throat> and um, about triple the risk for um for uh, actually for substance abuse. Uh, this makes sense to me, but yeah. if you could explain a little bit better, why is that? That if you're not used to giving to others, why you'd be so vulnerable to... Uh... So she has, Dr. Luther has um, three, um, three theories behind it. One is um, that in many of these um, neighborhoods where she does this research, um, parents have a hard time paying attention to the uniqueness of their child. In other words, they're more interested in their SAT scores or mm-hmm. their, their MCAT scores or their scores and their, their grades or GPA, what college they'll get into, then they are in nourishing their uniqueness. So that that's one ingredient. The second ingredient is they're very often not asked to go beyond themselves 
by volunteering, and not just volunteering in order to get into a better college, but volunteering, having a real culture of kindness and taking care of others. That really makes a difference. I wonder if society doesn't really encourage this, though. Society will really make a big deal if someone is athletic or very attractive or is a cheerleader, and the person who volunteers in the local hospital or the person who volunteers for those that are needy I don't know if society makes such a big deal about this. Right, right, absolutely, and I think, and that's a, that, that's a, a, a such an important value. There's one take-home message from our discussion. It would be that, and the third ingredient of affluenza is, um, you know, has to do with. So we already did two. I'll test you: uniqueness, right? Paying attention to their uniqueness, uh, making sure that they give. So it's the the, right. the that part of it. Um, and, and also, um, um, the, the whole idea, it's called required helpfulness to almost insist that they go beyond themselves in helping others and not for ulterior motives. It doesn't count if you're doing it in because order to Because you want to get a bigger allowance. Exactly. Or those who want to get into a better college. It doesn't, it does it doesn't help. It has to be for the intrinsic value. Altruistic value of yeah. uh, wishing to help others. Yeah. Uh, I heard this from Dennis Prager many years ago. I don't think the Rams are still located in Los, in, uh, Los Angeles. I think they went to Descartes and to uh, St. Louis. I'm not sure. But he said he was at a Rams game. And at halftime, they had a competition of 11-year-olds, whoever could throw a football the furthest, the farthest. And uh, now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with this. This is a fine, wholesome thing. And the kid who threw it the farthest, they put him in a golf cart and they rode him all around the stadium and everyone was applauding. Okay, that's really fine and harmless. I even call it wholesome. But why don't they take the kid who volunteers to help out those that are mentally challenged or the kid who gives volunteers for something else and put him in the cart? Society is not encouraging this kind of behavior. Right, right. And, and again, it's, it's, there's uh, you know, this whole concept that you judge a society by what they value and what they admire, and who and what do they put on pedestals. You know? Okay. I mean, if you have to judge America by its literature, it would be an obsession on fat, I think. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and uh, it's also very external. It's, uh, I guess self-help is, is improving now. That's probably a discipline that's, that is improving. Yeah, there's, there is definitely some improvement in different areas. And um, I'm even finding, I find the kids are thirsty for this. I was giving a talk um, up in the northern part of the United States, and um, it was very snowy. And I was there for the weekend. I was a scholar in residence. And um, I mentioned something to the parents that I noticed that um, if after the... Um, collation after they had the little you know snacks after i gave the talk it was the janitor who cleaned up and i said something it'll be a great thing to teach your kids to clean up you know for them to be that should you know the communities that do that seem to do better and they liked it very much and um the the the, the parents in that community decided to start to almost institutionalize that and to try to have chores done in a more systematic kind of way. It snowed terribly when I had to get back to the airport. So I was very worried about my rental car and how am I going to get there? It was not, you know, I had oh, a I plane to, to catch, <laughs> right? And I come outside and all the kids who I had spent the weekend with, who I really had a chance to talk to them. 
had already cleaned off my car. They weren't told to do it. I asked later, were you told to do it? They did it on their own. They oh, loved wow. the idea. So That's it's, inculcating. Yeah, Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this reminds me of in the Musser, we'll call that the, the School of Ethical Perfection, called Kellum. They had something called their student maintenance. That's my own term, term for it. Student maintenance means is that uh, they did not have a janitor, nor did they have a, a kitchen staff. And the more senior the student was, the higher, the dirtier the job they got. Right. And woe to the student who tried to, who tried to usurp a job from someone else. Now, there's no way, if you're, I told this to my students in seminary, there is no way if you know that there's no janitor and you have to clean up everything, you're not going to leave a mess. You're not going to leave a tissue on the bench or on the table or on the floor if you know a fellow student's going to have to clean it up. You're just assuming it's the janitorial staff that's doing it. Right. And, and, and it's a paradigm shift, but I find, I find that it, it actually is something the kids seem to be thirsty for. I was in a community where um, that was very intent because uh, it was a very, very wealthy community in a part of Manhattan. One of the, probably one of the wealthiest zip codes in the United States. And um, the rabbi of the community was very concerned about this. And he asked me to talk about materialism and the psychological component of materialism. How do you teach kids the proper values about money? And one of the things I did, which is what I always do when that's the topic, is um, the week before my talk there, I went to a school in a very impoverished neighborhood, you know, of, of, uh, of Brooklyn. And I asked to see their lost and found. Their lost and found had nothing in it. It was like, you know, maybe one, um, you know, single gloves here or there, <laughs> a frayed scarf, but pretty much nothing there. Then I asked this rabbi, can you show me your lost and found? And he takes me, he was a little sheepish, but he takes me to the, the, the lost and found in the and school. And there are coats and boots. There, not only are there coats and, and boots, but there was a... Um, Gucci bags. A Breitling watch. So I Googled, how much is this watch worth? Many, many, many thousands of dollars. And it was unclaimed. It was unclaimed. So boy, was that, and I told it to the parents. I, I showed them what I found in, in the Brooklyn Lost and Found and what I found in their Lost and Found. And it, 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 it hit home. Yeah, it's, I, think, I think the beauty about all this stuff is it's changeable. It's changeable. And kids are looking for it. I really believe they're looking for it. Uh-huh. Uh, I just want to know what's the best avenue to get their attention. Um, I think to, to sit down... Strike when the iron is cold, meaning that you don't you don't do it when you're angry. No kid is going to listen to your right. input when your you're tirade. angry. Yeah, um, talk to them um, to be understood first. Understand, hear their point of view, and then surprisingly, if you ask them for what do you think is a reasonable thing to do, like you know. You came home very late and you, you violated a curfew. What do you think is the logical consequence? Kids actually internalize it. The three core ingredients of um, kids um, accepting consequences are if they're calmly delivered, logical, they make sense, and they're done from a place of you're expecting the best from them. You believe in them. When we believe in our kids, that's when they do the best. 
Oh, that's very good. Okay, to my great chagrin, our time has lapsed. Very so, sad. Uh, <laughs> but Dr. Felkovitz, thank you always for enlightening us, giving us direction, and uh, thank you very much for joining Teller from Jerusalem. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Teller from Jerusalem, where this series takes an intelligent and thought-provoking look at the past in order to acquire a perspective on the present. Spread knowledge by giving us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. Join us next time for a brand new episode and be sure to visit TellerFromJerusalem.com where you can find more details about the show and other useful information. Check out the site store and just by inserting the TFJ code, you receive an additional 10% discount off the already very reduced prices of all Hanoch Teller products, books, lectures, and documentaries. And remember, don't forget, you can get Teller from Jerusalem on any podcast platform or go to TellerFromJerusalem.com. 